We've been in a series titled The Blessed Life. And today is part six. It's actually the conclusion of the series. It's based on a book by Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I recommend you highly read the book. If you don't have it, you can get it on Amazon. You can order it. We have it also in our bookstore there. Uh, you can get the audio version of it or whatnot, but I highly recommend you read it uh, because even if you hear the different preachings, we, we can't cover an entire book, right? Uh, but we've been talking in this series about how to live a blessed life. And God wants every single one of us to be blessed and walk in blessing. And today's uh, title is The Principle of Multiplication. The Principle of Multiplication. Now, if you know anything about numbers, there's four operations in math. There's addition, there's subtraction, there's multiplication and division. Subtraction and division make your numbers smaller. Addition and multiplication make it bigger. But how many of you know that multiplying something is going to exponentially make it bigger as opposed to just adding something? And God is a God who multiplies. He has the ability and the desire to multiply our resources. And I want to talk today out of the book of John. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. When you've got it, say amen. And this is one of the most famous. No, I'm lost. Nine. Thank you. I inverted the six. Thank you. Luke chapter 9. This is one of the most famous miracles that Jesus does in scriptures, well, very well known, and it's about multiplication. Starting in verse number 12 of Luke chapter 9, it says this, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Now we'll pause there for a second. Mark it, and we're going to go back to it. I want you to understand something about the time period in which Jesus lived and the cultural backing. When it says there are 5,000 men, it refers to 5,000 families. In that culture, the head of household, the man was counted plus then women and children. So if we go by that and say there was 5,000 men and we say that they're married, that means their spouse is there, that gets us to about 10,000 people. And if each one of them had two kids, which per capita back then they had four to six, but let's just say two, you're saying that there was probably around 20,000 people there at that miracle. 20,000 people. Now, the book of Matthew, in the parallel scripture to this, we're going to look at it in Matthew chapter uh, 14, I believe it is. It has this verse. It says, now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So not only am I telling you what the cultural backing was, the Bible in the parallel verse in the gospel of Matthew specifically tells you 5,000 men plus women and children. So we can safely say that there was probably anywhere between 16 to 20,000 people on this hillside and Jesus is preaching to them. Jesus is talking to them and they're hungry and the disciples go to tell Jesus and Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Going back to where we were in the book of Luke, it says in verse number 
14, there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. How many of you know that was the first miracle that happened that day? 20,000 people into groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then they took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. Filled. What does it mean to be filled? It means to be satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Some people debate and ask, man, why did Jesus have it where 12 baskets were left over? And there's different theological reasons. Some of it, uh, or some people say that that region was known as the region of 12. I tend to go to the thought process that Jesus wanted each disciple to take home a doggy bag. Some food for later on. But that's just me because I like food and I like to eat. But let's get to hear what it's talking about, okay? I don't know if you do, but I like to insert myself into the Bible. And what I mean by that is I like to read the Bible from the perspective if I was sitting there. Like I would love to have been sitting on the hillside when David ran out to face Goliath and ran towards this giant with his little slingshot and he chucked it at him and the giant just fell. And I can imagine sitting on the corner as I feel the ground rumble because the guy fell down. So for today, can you indulge me and can we transport ourselves into this Bible passage? Okay, I want us to imagine that we are in this committee of disciples, and we're actually, we're calling ourselves the Messiah Finding Committee, okay? We're looking for the Messiah. We're waiting for the Messiah, and Jesus is checking every box. I mean, he's healing the sick, he's raising the dead, and as a bonus, he walked on water, because that wasn't a messianic prophecy, but the guy walked across the water. So we're like, he's checking every single box. And we get there one morning, and he begins to speak. And it says in verse number 12, if you put verse number 12, look what it says. And the day began to wear away. Like, do you know what that means? Like in the original language, the day began to wear away. They started at nine o'clock in the morning and it was 10, 11, 12, one, uh, two. Uh, Jesus is going to wrap up sometime through. Like, you know, sometimes we start service at 11 and at 12.15, y'all looking at me like, Pastor, the Dolphins game starts at 1 o'clock. Well, if you want to watch them lose. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in a little bit of a hurry. Hey, I'm a Dolphin fan, so I can say it, okay? This, actually, if they win today, this might be the only weekend the Dolphins and Hurricanes win on the same time. So we'll see. Um, this season, at least. So, they're there. The time is passing by. And one of them says, we got to tell them something. So they, they form this like little committee. It's like, hey, who's going to go? And they, and they pick somebody. Can you just imagine? Jesus is still talking when they go to him. Right? Like, he's still talking. And they go up to interrupt Jesus. And they're like, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Right? To the whole multitude, to 20,000 people watching. It's like. Jesus, dude, like, this is an awesome preaching series that you're giving us in one day. But the people are hungry. They didn't talk about them. It's like, you know, if it was up to me, I can listen to you talk all day long. It's the people. 
And you love the people. And the people are hungry. And then Jesus looks at him and says, okay, you love the people a lot, huh? Yeah, Jesus, we, it's the people. The people are hungry. It's like, okay, go give them something to eat. Okay. So you go back to the committee. The 12 disciples, they're in the corner. Like, all right, did you tell Jesus? I did. You told them the people hungry is like verbatim. Jesus, people hungry. Okay, so, so what did he say? Um, he said for us to give him food. What? Is that? He, he, he said for us, give him some food. And this little kid walking by with his doggy bag from Red Lobster. And Peter, because Peter was a chapalante. He was like, you know, bold and thing. Peter grabs the thing from the kid. He's like, what's there? And the guy's got two pieces of fish with extra rolls. So he got two fish, five pieces of bread. And Peter, I can just imagine Peter grab the bread, take a bite out of it. The disciples are like, stop it, Peter. You know? It's like, that's it? That's all we have. And one of the disciples says, that's it. We got to go tell Jesus all we have. We want to do what you say, Jesus, but all we have, two pieces of fish and four and a half pieces of bread, because you know Peter. So, so the guy goes back. Excuse me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Listen. Kid went to Red Lobster got extra, two pieces of chicken, pieces of bread. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I know Peter. Peter probably grabbed a piece. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right. So all we have is two pieces of fish and five pieces of bread, four and a half. And Jesus says, all you got is, is, is a kid's meal? Yeah, all we got is a kid's meal. He's like, all right, cool. Sit everybody down in groups of 50. Okay, <laughs> so he goes back to the committee again, right? You, are you with me in the source? Can you, trans, can you visualize this, right? So he goes back to the committee again. Did you tell Jesus all we had was two pieces? Yes, I, I, I did. Okay, so he's, he's dismissing service, right? Like he's going to let people go off to La Carreta and, and you know, Sergio's, you know, they're going to go celebrate Landon's dedication, right? Like they're going to go off. Jesus is letting them go. He's like, nah, bro. He said to sit them in groups of 50. <laughs> 20,000 divided by five, that's a four. Cutting it down, bring it over. First miracle of the day. Group them in 50s. And then he said to just bring, it, bring, it, bring them the stuff, and he, he was going to bless it. Mm, okay. One of the disciples, you know, because these disciples, they read the scripture. So he remembered 2 Kings chapter 4. In 2 Kings chapter 4, the prophet is told by God to feed these hundred men. And all they had were 20 pieces of bread. You can read it. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm not making it up. Go read it. Read it. 2 Kings chapter 4. Write it down. And, and they got there and the guy says to, to the prophet, there's only 20 pieces of bread. We can't feed everybody. I can't put 20 pieces of bread in front, in front of 100 big men. I can't do that. The prophet says, God says it's going to be enough and there's going to be leftovers. And they put the 20 pieces of bread in front of the 100 people 
and there was leftover food, and they were all satisfied. She's like, watch, watch. Jesus is going to pray over it, and it's going to multiply. And Peter, again, Peter grabbed that bread. He's like, I'll go first. Watch, watch this guy. Watch, watch. Jesus, yo, my man, here it is. And Jesus, thank you for laughing, because it's okay to laugh in church. Appreciate it. <laughs> I feel weird holding the microphone under my armpit. but So then Jesus gets the piece of bread. And he says, he looks up to the heavens. That's what the verse said. Father, bless it. He breaks it in half and gives Peter half a piece of bread. I mean, we can go back and read it. Watch, watch. Look, look. Verse number 16. He took the loaves and the fish, looking up to heaven he blessed, broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitudes. Many people believe that when Jesus prayed for the bread, the bread and the fish just multiplied. If you've ever watched any of the movies of, movies of Jesus, right? If you ever watched on the movies, all the baskets, all of them fish start popping out of the baskets, and bread stops popping out. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the miracle after Jesus prayed for it, happened in the hand of the disciples. Jesus blessed it, broke it, and gave them half a piece of bread and said, okay, now go feed the people. I can just imagine Peter. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, are you, are you done praying? You want to pray a little more? Or am I? I mean, just a little more prayer? And then he's got to go with his half a piece of bread and be like, all right, Mick, a little piece, little, Okay. Cynthia, a little, little, okay. All right, a little piece. Not that big, man, just little, little, not that, little, right? So I, and as the bread is getting smaller, he's like, I can just picture him getting to the, 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 the last guy of the 50, of the group of 50, and, and he's like got a crumb. And as he goes to give the crumb, all of a sudden the bread goes, whoop. He's like, bro, you can have more. Here, come back. You can have some more, okay? <laughs> watch this, watch this. Two principles of multiplication. Here's the first one. Before it can multiply, it has to be blessed. Before it can multiply, it has to be blessed. Now, what have we been learning throughout this whole series? We've been talking about the fact that God said that the tithe is his. God says that if you keep the tithe, you steal it from him. And the Bible says that any which way you would lose it. And it says that you don't give the tithe, you bring the tithe. Because you don't give someone what is already theirs, you bring it back to them. And when you do that, it redeems the rest of your finances. That's what the Bible says. So what is the first step to multiplication? You got to give, bring to God what is his so that then he can bless the rest. It cannot multiply if it's not blessed. What would have happened if the disciples got the red, you know, the, the red lobster bag and just fed themselves? They were hungry. Hey, cut up those two fish. Cut each fish up into six pieces. 
We divide it up into all of us. We get a little piece of bread and let everybody else. Jesus is feeding them good, good spiritual food. They can feed them something else, right? If they had never brought it to Jesus, it never would have multiplied. If he had not blessed it. Or if they had gotten it and first, before taking it to Jesus, had tried to just give it out to people, it would have run out without being multiplied. Because the blessing is upon bringing it to him. And then it leads us to the second point. The second principle of multiplication is this. It needs to be given in order for it to multiply. See, after Jesus blessed it, if the disciples ate it, nobody else would have eaten food. The disciples would have eaten blessed food. But the 20,000 people would have still been hungry. So those are the two principles of multiplication. And in his book, Pastor Robert talks about this, and he says that as God was teaching him this, God gave him three things that he needed to do. Because this is what he felt that God says, and this applies to all of us. God said, I want you to put your finances in order so that I can bless you. Do you know that God cannot bless that which is out of order? And the first thing that God told him to do was you need to get out of debt. That applies to all of us. Get out of debt. Now, I'm going to give you a little caveat on, or not caveat, but everybody has different opinions on what this might mean. Having a mortgage on a house that is going to appreciate, I consider it to be okay. What does this mean is not buying things that are going to depreciate on credit. A lot of times we buy something, it's like we see such a good deal on a TV. The TV is only $100. I have to have it. And I buy it, and by the time I pay it off a year and a half later, I ended up spending $500 because every month all I did was send the minimum payment. So he felt God say, and again, this applies to all of us, you want me to bless you? Get your finances in order. Number one, get out of debt. The second thing he felt God tell him was this, don't manipulate. Don't manipulate. I'm going to tell you how that applies to us. The way he describes it, at that point in time, he wasn't the pastor of a church. He was a traveling preacher. And how many of you have ever been sitting in a service where a preacher manipulates people into giving? Anybody? I've been there. Y'all are being so modest. Oh, I've never heard of preacher. No. Sometimes preachers manipulate. And it's ungodly. Can I tell you why? The Bible says that manipulation is as... In other words, the same as the sin of witchcraft. Manipulation is demonic. It is that's witchcraft. So he was a traveling preacher. means he only got what was given as a love offering. He didn't have a salary. So he felt God say, don't manipulate. And when somebody invites you to go preach and they ask you, what do, you know, what's the cost to bring you? Tell them, I have no minimum requirement. Now, how does that apply to us? I've been a believer a long time, and I've met a lot of Christians that manipulate people into blessing them. Hey, it's, uh, we finished up on a service. Oh, we're going to go eat. Hey, are you going to bless me? What do you mean? It's like, well, you know, I, I really don't have anything. You know, budget's tight, but, but I want to go eat with you guys. So are you going to bless me? 
That's manipulation. Now, bro, go get a job and buy your own Happy Meal. Don't manipulate me or make me feel that I have to take care of something for you. That is ungodly. I'm going to take care of it if I feel it in my spirit. As a matter of fact, we were at, it was Abigail's birthday on, on Wednesday. And Abigail's so special, the school district closed schools so she would have the day off. And so <laughs> we took her to have lunch at the American Girl store. And as we were at the American Girl store getting ready to have lunch, I saw this family with these two girls, and, and I could just, in my spirit, I, I just felt a burden, and I saw them and the thing, and, and then I saw them come up and look like at the menu thing. Like I saw like the mom, like, like you know, and, and she's like, I was, and I heard her tell somebody, I just want to see if I can afford to get them a little meal, something to, so special. And I felt God say, if they sit down, pay for their meal. And I'm like, I'm on a budget. Is that you? You know, like, okay. We sit down, they sit down behind us, and, um, I'm like, all right, I got to pray about this, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'll be right back, honey. I'm going to go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom. And I'm like, God, is it you? And, God's, and I felt God be like, do you think the devil's going to tell you to bless somebody? Okay. All right. So we get back to the table, and I get my phone, and I text Patty. I feel from God that I need to cover the bill of the people behind us. And she looks okay. <laughs> so I did. I, the, the waiter comes by at one point and I was like, hey, are you the waiter for that table? Yes, I was like, bring me their check. Don't tell them anything, just bring me their check. And I did and I covered it. And I, Okay. I felt from God, bless them. I'm going to teach you something. That is an offering I gave. That's not part of my tithe. Tithe goes to the house, according to scripture. Okay? Those people weren't there manipulating. They don't even know me. I didn't really speak to them. I just felt it from the minute I saw it. And that's what he felt. This is the next thing that God told him. Give. The third thing was give. And he said, God, I do give. I tithe. And God was like, bro, come on. God talks like that to me. We have a cool conversation. It's like, y'all still think God's like, some people think God only speaks in, in King James. For thee, thou David, shall know that you need to go pay their meal. No. <laughs> God doesn't speak in King James, okay? Um, maybe NLT. <laughs> but... <laughs> okay. Okay. So he said, God, I do give. I tithe. And so here's the thing. Tithe belongs to God. Therefore, it's not giving. Giving is anything above your tithe. We talked about it last week in extravagant giving, that there's three levels of giving in the scripture. The tithe, offering, and extravagant offering. You know who was an extravagant giver in the Bible? Solomon. Anybody ever heard about Solomon? Let me tell you a little bit about Solomon. Solomon is known in the Bible as the wisest person in all of Scripture, also known as probably one of the richest people in all of Scripture. Solomon is the one that was asked by God at night 
Tell me what you want, anything that you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked God, I want wisdom to be able to lead your people. God said, because you didn't ask for riches and fame and fortune, and you asked for wisdom, I will give you wisdom plus riches, fame, fortune, and all of your enemies. Solomon's kingdom had no wars. It was a time of peace. So if you read that, it makes you ask this question. If God spoke to him that night, ask me whatever you want, what happened that day? Wasn't that make you ask that question? So if you go read that, it did, the day that God asked Solomon at night, what do you want, was the day that Solomon was inaugurated as the king of Israel. Now let me teach you a little something. The king of Israel, on his inauguration day, he would sacrifice a bull unto God. A bull, okay? Do you know how many bulls Solomon sacrificed unto God on his inauguration? Not 10, not 100, a thousand bulls. Supposed to give one, he did a thousand. And that night God said, what do you want? And this is this is what God, God can trust an extravagant giver. So he, the third thing was give. And he said, but God, how much do I need to give? When do I need to give? And God's answer was this. I'll tell you how much and I'll tell you when. And let me tell you something. Giving is contagious. That happened on Wednesday. On Friday, my wife, uh, get, not Friday, sorry, uh, Thursday. Thursday. Uh, my daughter had an activity at school. Patty had signed up to volunteer. She had about two hours of leeway time that she was going to do some work for women's conference from the Starbucks right by the school. So she gets home. She was like, I got to tell you something. It's like, what happened? She was like, well, I was at Starbucks and, and, and you know, yesterday we were at the thing and you felt God tell you, bless somebody. I, I, I saw this homeless person there and, and I said, are you okay? And he said, I, I need money for the bus. She said, I don't have cash, but have you eaten anything? Come on, let's go buy you a meal. So, so I bought him lunch. I said, all right, give. God told you give, give. That's how I want to live my life. And Pastor Robert says that he began, and you can read the book. Please read the book so you can get, get more out of it, okay? He says, I began to give to God extravagantly, and, and just, God make to, began to do miraculous things in his life. I'll, I'll give you one real quick. He, he, got, he, he had this one month where he only had one meeting to speak at. Again, traveling preacher only gets what's given as a love offering. God told him, don't manipulate. So tell the people, you don't got to give me, is whatever, whatever. I don't have any minimum requirement. So he gets to this place. It was a church of only 60 people, only speaking engagement for the entire month. He preaches, the pastor picks up an offering and comes after us and is like, oh, so excited. He's like, oh my God, this is the largest offering we've ever given anybody. He opens it and it was exactly the entire monthly budget for their ministry. He's like, wow, God, you're so faithful. And as, God, as he's telling God how faithful he is, he looks up and he sees a missionary in the corner that had given a report from the mission field. And he says, God told him, go give him the check. And he said, excuse me? <laughs> that ain't you. <laughs> And then God told him, remember, I'm going to tell you how much to give and when to give. So he endorsed the check, went over to the guy and said, listen, I, I uh, don't open it until later. This is, God told me to give you this. So, this. 
So they leave the meeting, the preaching engagement, and there's five people and five couples in the parking lot. Like, hey, we're going to go have pizza. You want to go have pizza? And they're like, sure, we love pizza. And we're broke. <laughs> Let's go eat pizza. So they get to this place, and there are these couples that this guy is sitting in front of them that he's never met before. And the guy looks at him one, and leans into him and, 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 and looks at him, and he looks at him, and he says, how much was the offering? So he tells him the amount, and the guy says, show me the check. I want to see it. And he says, Debbie has it, his wife. He's like, I know Christians are supposed to lie, but it just came out. He's like, go get it. So he gets up to where his wife's at and is like, how's your pizza? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> she doesn't have the check, right? So he goes back to the guy. He's like, she says it's in the car. And the guy looks at him and says, he's only seen the guy once before in his life. The guy says, he says no, it's not. And he says, he looked at the guy and said, so where is it? <laughs> and the guy says, you gave it away, didn't you? How do you know that? He says, because God told me. And he pulled out of his jacket pocket a check written out to the ministry, Robert Morris' ministry, that he wrote before going to the meeting and it was exactly 10 times the amount of the check he had received and given away when God said to give. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. And again, I want you to read, please read it. Please read the book. The guy held on to the check as he grabbed it and he told him something. God is about to teach you about giving for you to teach my people. This is not a give to get Christianity is not give to get. That's manipulation. That's witchcraft. It is about honoring God and bringing to him what's his. That's the tithe. It's about walking correctly without manipulating people and giving hints to people. At Brent's breakfast on, on Saturday morning, a bunch of the guys, Pastor, you didn't message me to say to be praying. I was like, dude, I was in the middle of my daughter with the whole thing. I, I messaged, I, I got pastor friends all around the country. I sent a, a, to my group chat of pastors like, this is going on, pray. That's it. I, I, I wasn't a thing of like, oh, please pray. Prayer is good and that's awesome. Please pray for each other and tell each other. But at the moment when there's a crisis, that's not what I was thinking. And Give. Whatever God tells you to give, when he tells you to give it. Whatever he tells you, when he tells you. So God has led them through this, all this giving, and one day he's felt in his quiet time, God say, what do you want from me? Tell me what you want. And Pastor Robert Morris is very transparent in saying that he had an immoral past. He came to Christ nine months after him and his wife got married, and in those nine months he cheated on his wife. And then he came to Christ. So he said, I knew that when my wife would find out everything was going to be over, so I told God, the only thing I want is that my wife and I would be in love for the rest of our life. And now they're over 40 years of marriage. Now, I've been talking about, I want to tell you about me for a second. Some of you know my wife and I, and you know our testimony. You know what we've been through in our life. 
I came to Christ when I was little. I was raised in the things of Christ. Man, I've always been a tither. I've always been a giver. I've always served. I've never deviated into the world. My wife as well came to Christ when she was little. We've known each other since we were like 10 years old. Uh, I mean, it was walking in, in, in this blessed life, but there was something missing. Because we couldn't get kids. And we went and got tested, and I got the letter in the mail that said, you can't have kids. I've been there. And I remember it to this day because I'll never forget that day. It was December 18, 2009. We were at the Rusty Pelican at my cousin's baby shower for her daughter, Valeria. And Patty was late on her menstrual cycle. It had been about six months since we had found out we couldn't have kids and we were trusting in God and believing in God. And she came back from the bathroom and I could tell in her face something was wrong. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I got my period. And we got in the car and we left and we began to pray. And I felt from God, give extravagantly. And I did, I, I, I've never said the amount and I never will say the amount. I'll tell you this, it was something that hurt my wife and I. This is why God doesn't deal with amounts. Jesus said that the widow that gave two mites, the equivalent of less than a penny, gave more than everyone else. You know why? She gave everything she had. For somebody, $10 represents the world. And for some people, you need to get to a million dollars for even to make a dent in their pocketbook. God looks at the heart. It was something that hurt. I'll never forget it. I didn't even sow it to the church we went to. I sowed it into Rev Ministries, Landon Schatz Ministry. I called Landon. He was on a date with his wife. He's like, he's like, he calls like, what's up, bro? He's like, answered. He's like, what's up, bro? I'm, I'm, I'm out with Heather. I was like, I need to sow the seed like right away. He's like, but I'm at the movies. He's like, I'm texting you my credit card to the ministry. Process this now. Okay. And I sowed the seed. December 18, 2009. Went to Babies R Us. We began to buy stuff for a baby that we were told we couldn't have. January rolls around and my wife, Patty, did not get her menstrual cycle. She didn't get her menstrual cycle again until after Abigail was weaned off of nursing. But that's not the kicker, right? God's a God that multiplies. He didn't give me one. As a matter of fact, he didn't give me two. He gave me three beautiful, intelligent, healthy girls. Can I tell you something? No. <laughs> For those of you that didn't hear, he said, somebody said, is she pregnant? No. <laughs> she is pregnant with what's coming out at women's conference this weekend. It's going to be a blessing, but that's about it. All right. Anyways, that's more than money. That's better than money. The fact that a doctor's report told me one thing, but God healed and delivered, that's better than anything else. Does God want us to prosper? Yes. And part of it is being wise and getting out of debt and putting things to order so that you can be the person who above your tithe is a giver. That when you feel in your heart to go pay for something for somebody, you can. Don't get in debt to do it. Get out of your debt so that you can do what God wants you to do. 
And those are the two principles of multiplication. It needs to be blessed before it can multiply. And it has to be given before it can multiply. I mean, can you think about a farmer? If they never put seed into the ground, will a crop ever come out? And isn't it so cool how one kernel of corn produces a whole stock with a bunch of ears of corn and every ear of corn has hundreds of kernels on it? Let's stop eating even that that God has blessed so that we can walk in the blessed life. When it's time for offering, even if you're not at church, when you're somewhere and God puts something in your heart, church, be obedient to what he tells you. Be obedient. If God tells you, go give that person a hug, be obedient. If God tells you, go to that person and just tell them simply, God loves you, be obedient. Whatever he tells you, do. Knowing that your father will take care of everything else that you need.